Hey, Alice. I, uh, I thought I'd see you at some point today. You walked in at a good time. I just sat down with Sydney Mace. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Absolutely. Uh, Escapism is out now. Um, all streaming platforms? That's right. And then you've got a show July 1st. Remind me where that's at. July 1st at the Buffalo River Resort in Prairie County, Tennessee. Hometown show. Hell yeah. Um, it, it, do you like playing hometown shows or do you prefer not to play there? Oh, I love hometown shows, yeah. You get it like, um, you have to be with like uh, people that saw you coming up and stuff. Yeah, exactly. The only thing about it is there's, you know, back home, there's not a lot of places to play is the only thing. Mm, yeah. But every chance I get, yeah, I love it. And then you're playing um, Mule Day at the Mule House, August 18th. Sure enough. That's, uh, I, I, like I was telling you earlier, I spent a lot of time in Columbia. I was out there for like six years, so. Nice. Um, Mule Day is like <clears throat> a fucking bitch if you live there, because it's like <laughs> everyone has like carts and wagons, and um, they're just in the road, like with the cars, so. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, definitely um, give yourself plenty of time to like get there, because <laughs> right. it's it's a fucking bitch to get it anywhere during Mule Day. Mule Day. It's, um... Yeah, Mule Day's a, a thing. Like, they, they really go hard for motherfucking Mule Day out in... Uh, Maybe we should hop out there. <laughs> bunny hop out to, yeah. To Mule Day. Just squad up. I'll go to Columbia. Squad. Uh, court, court and uh, cart and buggy type shit. Uh, we'll, we'll have to rent. Do they have... Can you rent a horse and buggy <clears throat> like you can a car? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Dress up as, <laughs> dress up as Mennonites. Are <laughs> <laughs> Mennonites? That's like Amish, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, the more uh, I believe. That's the more extreme Amish. Yeah. The more very like very they, much no electricity, no none of that. They paid their phone bills since seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did you first pick up guitar? I was eleven. My dad played. He was a great, great player. And I come from the Guitar Hero generation, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah, I played a lot of Guitar Hero too. Um, my mom is a really good piano player and she tried to teach me when I was a kid, but I just didn't have the discipline. Like I wanted to play video games instead. Mm -hmm. I like, I learned a couple of things, but like, um, same here. Did you learn from your dad? Uh, no, not really. He, um, he tried to show me a G chord when I was like eight, but my fingers just would not do it. <laughs> that just wouldn't happen. So I played drums briefly. And then when I was 11, that's when I took it serious. What kind of music did your dad listen to when you were growing up? Well, he grew up in the 60s, so he was all about Pink Floyd, Hendrix, The Beatles, The Stones. Hell yeah, man. You know, early Zeppelin. That's um, that's good influence at a young age. Mm -hmm. Like, you got introduced to the, the greats. Yeah, but when I first started playing, it was, for some reason, I just went straight to Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just... As in Kurt Hammett or James Hetfield? James Hetfield. Ah, I mean, it takes obviously it takes both of them, but right, right. Just but there is a there is a preference there. Yeah. You can even go back and uh, throw. A, what do you think about Mustang? Mustang, he made some killer riffs. I mean, he's a great player. Yes, I saw them live once, and it's pretty wild. Awesome. And I'm not even that big of a fan of theirs, but it's worth seeing. Heck yeah. We um, <laughs> I did an episode a couple years ago with uh, two drummer friends of mine and we did like the whole time they were just shitting on Lars Ulrich it's like, like the whole episode just... oh I remember that I think I was in, involved in that the St. Anger snare yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was the same one where I um, we were doing like you seen Hot Ones 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing like a mock hot ones thing where my friend had all the hot one sauces, and we just fucking we put it on chicken and like there's a clip on YouTube of him being like, um, he's like he accidentally touches his eye just to, on the corner here, and he's like, I would just like to warn everyone, don't touch your eyes. And as he say, like as the words are exiting his mouth, you can see me just going with both my hands like this. Oh no! And then I'm like, oh, 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 oh! And then there's like <laughs> ten minutes of the episode where you can just hear me screaming in the background. <laughs> He's, I think you were getting milk. Tiffany in your was. Eyes. I had my head on the back of the sink like this, and <laughs> Tiffany was pouring milk. I was holding my eye like this, and Tiffany was pouring milk Man. into my fucking eyes. And we kept the show going. So yeah, yeah, I remember that. I gotta hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, time. I wouldn't do it again. Uh, one out of ten, do not recommend putting a hot sauce, uh, what was it, Mad Dog, whatever, in your eyeballs. Unless not... you're David Goggins. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably enjoy the pain. David Goggins, dude, I love David Goggins. I do too. He is, uh, he is something. It's, um, I, I, something I really like about him is he's like, it. <clears throat> I'm not special. He's like, I used to be, like, not in good shape, and I just decided one day to go do this. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's nothing special about me. And I always think that's something really cool about, like, his message. Is like, He's like, I'm just a normal guy. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, so you got no fucking excuse. Get the fuck out here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There was one clip I saw where he's, like, in 100-degree weather just running, and he's, like, he's doing, like, a, a live thing for um, for TikTok, and he's like, Y'all want to know why I'm out here? I'm out here because you're not. Yeah. <laughs> so hardcore. What, um, you said Metallica, like, outside of that, who are, like, really big influences for you? So, all together, I would say my biggest influences of all time is Tears for Fears and Hendrix. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you on the difference of their guitar-wise, your influence, and then music writing-wise. But yeah. I guess that's what you were just saying there. Because, I mean, Tears Fear is obviously great musicians, but they're not known for right. guitar. You know, mm. Jimmy, obviously, I mean, also one of my favorite guitar players, but probably one of my top favorite composers of all time, too, because he was really much more than... And that ain't talked about enough, man. Right. Mm. I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Everyone talks about how good... how. Jimmy just fucking shreds, but like he's also a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. What have you been listening to in like the last week? Just like in the car and stuff. Last week, a uh, little bit of the Cure, um, just random stuff. A yeah. band called Hers. You've ever heard of Hers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were a really, really great, like I guess indie pop kinda. Mm. You've heard that song? What once was? Maybe if I heard it. It's. It was big on TikTok, hmm. but anyway, I like that band a lot. I was listening to Bowie today. I love Bowie. Classic. Yeah. Um, what else was I listening to? I was listening to Bowie and... Tame Impala is oh. another favorite. Yeah, Tame Impala is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening to Yes. Let's see the other one I was listening nice. to. <laughs> Roundabout. Um, the, uh... <laughs> and, and the, um... Uh, the DuckTales theme song. Really? Yeah. I saw the post about that, about you. I talked about the bass line. And I, I, was, I was remembering it in my brain, thinking, I don't think I ever Yo, thought that, about the bass line. That, that DuckTales theme song has no business going that fucking hard. Like, it's so good. <laughs> like, I ever paid attention to it. <laughs> so, a uh, hard segue mm-hmm. 
you have any ghost stories? And I guess when I say that, do you have anything that, like, happened that you can't explain? Mm. Not to me personally, but I've heard a few that are just really far-fetched. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the problem with that kind of stuff. Is like, um, So, like, I, I do believe in spirits, and I've seen some crazy mm. shit, but I don't believe in poltergeists. Like, I don't think... Something can just move this table by itself. Yeah. Like, I think, um, like, I've considered what I would, con- ex- uh, I've experienced what I would consider, like, bodily possession and, like, channeling, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't think something can, so, every time I've interacted with a spirit, it's, like, so excited to be interacting with you because it gets to use a body. Like, it doesn't usually get to do that, and... That's why I'm like, okay, like if 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 you're a spirit and you could just move this table, mm-hmm. why would you care about being in a person? It's like the whole point of a body is you can interact with the world. Right. So I'm not. I mean, I've I've heard, you know, like that's something I ask everyone, and I've heard a lot of poltergeist stories, but I've never seen anything like that myself, and I'm just skeptical of that. There's still time. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna summon some some spirits right now. Um, where do you think people came from? Like, I guess, different from animals. And you didn't tell me about this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do I think people came from? And I guess no one really knows, right? But <clears throat> do you have, does anything or, make or, more sense? Or even more clearly, if it's easier to put, the separation. Do you think we were... An involvement from an ape. You think it's a stone ape theory. You think ape ate a mushroom, and <laughs> generations later, you think aliens dropped down no, and put something in the water. No yeah. leading the suspect. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no leading. Uh, I personally believe the um, Adam and Eve story. I mean, I find it super hard to believe that we were just here randomly. Hmm. That that's like the same probability of like a plane assembling itself. It's just, I, I don't really know about that, but, yeah. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, um, it's very complex. Um, I, def, I definitely do believe that there's some kind of either spiritual or, like, alien involvement with people. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the stoned ape theory? The stoned ape? I don't think yeah. so. So, basically, it's the idea that, like, monkeys took <laughs> mushrooms and during, that made during, during one of the ice ages when they had to migrate, they're looking for food. Yeah. So they were eating whatever they could when they ate um, mushrooms that contained psychotropic substances. It started hallucinations, which caused geometric patterns. And from that animal, the idea is that animal began to increase its pattern recognition. Hmm. And that's one of the separations of humans and animals is that we have massive pattern recognition, you know, in our concepts. Mm-hmm. Faces and shapes and so forth. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a great theory, but like anything, you can't prove it, but you also can't really disprove it, right. you know. It's interesting. Um, as far as, like, um, like, writing process is concerned, like, where do you think art comes from do you think that's 
comes from something else or does that like start with you or I honestly believe it comes from God and I believe we are like the transmitters hmm. that just it's like to me it's like fire or electricity like nobody makes it you just discover it yeah that's what I think so it's like correct me if I'm like um, I think I think like kind of what you're saying is like there's like this energy but then like it has to go through you and that makes it so it's kind of like you're kind of working together almost mm -hmm. to like bring that into the world Existence, yeah. yeah I think there's a lot of truth to that like yeah, um, you're the conduit yeah exactly yeah I, I'm not a musician <clears throat> but I write poetry and I'm working on a novel right now nice. and um, like usually I can't like make myself like sit down and write something but like something will come to me inspiration usually when I'm doing something else like it, driving mm -hmm. or something and then it's like I gotta like I gotta stop and like do this because it's like it's fleeting you know like yes. it, yeah you know you gotta grab it while you got it kind Absolutely. of thing yeah that same thing happened to me um, I worked in a factory for a little bit and during that time like it was just a normal day and like a melody came to my mind I'm like oh I and I pulled out my phone real quick on my voice memos and I recorded like the hook and later that day I finished it and it's actually my most streamed song so far it's called Talk of the City hell yeah and it's it's totally random you just never know you find yeah. that that like when you're working or doing something that absolutely keeps you away from being able to create is that's when things fly in your head it it definitely can be then for yeah. sure yeah I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's always that right. way but it kind of almost seems like that when it does happen because it's just like oh shit you know and then if you ever make the mistake of going oh i'm gonna remember that you know it happened to me the other day i was sitting i sat down and i was like oh shit what was that thing i was supposed to remember mm -hmm. you know <laughs> been there done that like in the middle of, in the middle of the night when i wake up it's like oh yeah i remember that when i wake up and then nothing yeah i remember it again i've made that mistake too where it's like <clears throat> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that tomorrow. And it's like, what was I even thinking about? Um, is Talk of the City on Escapism? Yes, that's track number five, last one. Hell yeah. So, was that, is, is that a, um, how long were you writing Escapism? How long? Well, I had most of the ideas, like, way before I even planned to make an EP. You know, I just didn't really know what to do with them, really. Um, like, before I even got the idea, I was just mostly a player, hmm. you know. And then, like, some life tragedies happened, and it, it shifted my focus from just playing to really just writing hmm. for a while. And I'm just now getting to where I'm playing more. But during that time is when I really became a songwriter, I think. That it, It's um, <coughs> interesting how often, like, that's the case. Is like it? something traumatic like awakens you mm -hmm. and um, I, I don't know what your experience with psychedelic drugs is but I think that's what happens there too mm -hmm. is like like psychs aren't always fun you know what I mean like it's like it's interesting it can be too introspective i guess yeah like it can be really hard and i think that itself is almost like a kind of trauma that you're subjecting yourself to um 
but I think that's that's a big part of where like the artist comes into themselves is like usually it's something that happens. Yeah. Um, like, it it's crazy how many times I've I've like that's that's been the answer is um, like, you know, they didn't even want to, like so for me it's like, I, like making art isn't a choice for me, like I have to mm-hmm. like it's it's necessary is that something? I feel that. Yeah. yeah. It's like you don't have another option. This is what you have to do. Yeah, like that's your that is your pop off valve. Yeah, I think um, there's probably that innate power in everybody, mm-hmm. but then it takes some kind of event like to spark it. Yeah, and then like that's when you really come into your own. Um, Agreed. If you. Uh, what is the definition of art? If you had to, like, uh, explain it. Like, what what would... Set, like, I know I'm, I'm hitting you with, like, big questions. But it's like, I don't think I know the answer, really. And I like to get different people's yes. ideas about it. Give me a second. As we fall down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Definitely falling down there definition of art because like we were talking before about how it's something you grab hold of but what what is that and I know you, like you said it comes from God and I, I would agree that it definitely comes from a higher source mm-hmm. uh, but like I don't know I don't know we call it art but I don't think anyone really knows even what we're talking about when we say that you know what I mean? Well, there's, a, there's a definition for what art is, but art itself is the idea would be that the definition would be an interpretation. I would say my definition of it is the human expression or human expression by which words fail. Hmm. You know, it's yeah. something that you can't really describe. It's just there. It's a way of communicating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I think where standard communicational words fail, because obviously there's poetry mm-hmm. and, you know, song. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's... When you can't explain it normally, it's like you have different routes of doing that. Right. Music itself is a very, like, um, it's a language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. When you can, when there's like a piano at an airport full of people that are just from all over the planet and like nobody speaks the same language and somebody hops on a piano and everybody will start smiling and whatever, singing along and having a good time. Yeah, there's that's that's magic for sure. Um, <laughs> do you think, okay, so you, we've established we both believe in spirits um, outside of this dimension, like outside of this plane of existence, what do you think about like extraterrestrials, like outside of this planet, but in still in the physical universe, mm-hmm. like just from outer space? Um, pretty much everyone I've asked this has said that, well, there's got to be life out there somewhere. So I guess more specifically, do you think aliens have ever been here or are currently here? I would say... I believe they've been here 
it would be hard for me to say they haven't. Hmm. Um, especially you look at things through history to where we have no explanation for. Yeah. You know, like, maybe it can be explained, but it hasn't been explained in a way that I've been able to understand it, like the pyramids. That's one of my go-tos, I yeah. don't, how, you know? Exactly. How, fucking how. <laughs> I don't yeah. care how many grown men you have carrying one of those gigantic freaking blocks or whatever. They're finding them all over the world now, too. Like, really? um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the ones in Egypt are easy to see because it's in fucking sand. Yeah. But there's ones in China that the government like doesn't want people to know about, and it's covered up in grass like it's a mountain. Mm. But if you look at it, you're like, no, that's not a mountain. That, got, look at the shape you, of that. That's not an ancient growth. Also, Egypt didn't have anything. It turned desert, so there was nothing growing over top of it. They just had to uncover some. Some of the pyramids out there when they first found them were were buried. Yeah, you know, but it's like you're saying, you know, one in the jungle, the jungles of South America, they're made of stone, but they were also much newer or much more freshly discovered, mm -hmm. you know, whereas like you're saying in China, there's stuff over there that nobody can know about because they don't let things known to the world. Right. And then if it's in a jungle over there somewhere, it's been getting overgrown and they're not letting the people even go mess with it, you know. Well, it's stuff like that, man that you just can't naturally explain yeah i totally agree with me like like how is the big question with the pyramids and then also why because yeah. this is a huge thing like it's was it just to make us question it yeah <laughs> like, like um you know on like the one dollar bill there's like there's a pyramid on there mm -hmm. there's like a glowing eye, the eye at the top of it um and like Alice, have you ever seen a $1 bill before? Probably not. This is a rare artifact. Wow, let me see it. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, but there, yeah, there's the, the glowing eye at the top. And I think it was Neef who was telling me that um, there used to be, like, quartz on the top yeah, of it. Yeah, I heard that there was, and I haven't looked into this any further, but apparently the top of the pyramid and also down in within it, there was a core made out of a giant chunk of quartz and at night when the moonlight would hit it it would refract go down reflect return refract outward and it would actually light up the sky hmm. and that's why the pharaoh was seen as a god because he could turn night in the day you know with that power and that's why you see the illuminescent eye but the reason that it is separated goes to the theory behind what it is is that illuminated eye the all-knowing is not part of us. It is removed from everything. It is lifted. Hmm. So that is the illumination. Hmm. And that's the idea that that is whoever, whoever is controlling everything isn't a part of everything, which actually goes back to quantum physics. Damn. And that's kind Dang. of, that's a crazy thing to put on the dollar. Because it's like, we control you, we're above you, we are separate from you. And only on the dollar. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's odd. Have you seen the Neef? Do you have a twenty? Uh, no, you know I'm broke. I'm I'm, I might, I might. There's. Have you ever seen the trick with the twenty dollar bill? Uh, I'll have to pull it up. There's a bunch of weird shit with money. We we we've shown Alice before. I know. <laughs> You're like, God damn it! Don't do this again. <laughs> Basically, uh, 
You can fold it, and it makes the Twin Towers, and they're on fire. It looks just like the picture of them burning. I'll, I'll pull it up. And when you look at either side where United States of America is written, United is on the side. It says United on the side of the where a United plane hit, and America on the side where an American airline hit. Mm. But it's the picture that it makes is so uncannily just, it's freaky. Like, really. how did the Simpsons know? <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably where they got it from. Macaroni. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so, so, obvious, I mean, like, first of all, the building, right? Yeah, that's, but, that's freaky. United Airlines hit this building. American Airlines hit this building. This bill, this version of the 20, was made in 98. So it's like, this shit's planned. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it it raises the question, like, why would you do that? And it makes me wonder, like... Um, I don't much believe in coincidence. So yeah. That's... So it's like, okay, so they planned 9-11, but why the fuck would they put it on money, you know? It's like someone's eventually going to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And notice that, and it makes me wonder about like, um, have you ever heard of a sigil? Sounds familiar. What is it? So mm-hmm. basically, um, so sublim. This is kind of a, a tangent, but subliminal messaging is a thing. You can uh, Coca Cola. Um, they use it for like marketing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they got in trouble because they put one frame. Uh, basically, people were watching a movie, and for one frame. There was, it said Coca-Cola. They, they were trying that back in the 50s and way back when they were first testing that. And then companies were, after they tested it, companies were trying to use it and they deemed that, they were like, you can't, you yeah. can't do that. It's not. Basically, people, when they tried this, people got, uh, like, they didn't even know that they saw it. Like, they didn't know that they saw the words Coca-Cola, but just for a frame they saw it and then immediately got up and went and got coke. And it's like, um, so a sigil wow. is um, you take a word or a phrase. Um, so like if I took uh, Sydney Mays and I like turned, like took the S and I like put an I in it and then like put a D around it and then like put it in kind of like sideways next to it. It's like you wouldn't know that you're looking at that word, but subconsciously... That's how you perceive it. Yeah. So it's like you're getting this message, but you're not even aware that you're getting this message. Um, That's kind of, I think, maybe why they do shit like that with the 20 and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is you're you're putting this idea in people's heads without them even knowing that... Do you put that idea in their heads? That's that's far out, man. It's it's a crazy world that we well, live in. <laughs> if, if you take the nine eleven theories all the way to the all the way to the head to where it's a thought that planes never actually hit it, that that was all fabricated. Mm. Um, jet jet fuel can't melt steel beams. That would actually make more sense that it was on there because that in the conspiritual and in, in, in a conspiracy theorist mind would make that 
when a conspiracy theorist is thinking, no, planes never actually hit it, y'all are right. Somebody shows them that, they're like, well, that had to have happened because see, it's in, 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 the, in the dollar bill here. Wasn't there something else that happened before? It's counterintelligence. That's a good point. Sorry, what? Uh, no, you're good. Wasn't there something else that happened before 9-11, like at the World Trade Center? Uh, like the well, bases oh, blew yeah, up or something? Oh, yeah. McVeigh blew the crap out of it. Killed a lot of people. Yeah. Well, that was no Oklahoma City. That wasn't World Trade. Um, oh, okay. Oklahoma City, but that, and that was another good point with that because, like, almost a third of the base of the building was gone, mm. but it didn't collapse. Mm. I mean, like, an, an arc of the bottom. Now, I think there was a daycare there. Damn. For, like, the employees. And, yeah. Yeah, and, um, that's rough. It's coming back to me now. Yeah, he, that's, he had a, a truck full of fertilizer. Shit. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. There's, um, that weird footage of Bush, um, reading to kids during 9-11. Oh, yeah. Gets in there, they walk up and tell him. They're like, what were the words they had the kids read off? It was like, yeah. It was like steel, uh, it was freaky. Like plane, like things like that. Yes. It's a it's a weird world, and I think there's like shit going on that, like, if if the public knew would like cause mass hysteria, like, um, like spiritual intervention like demons and things like that like heavily involved in the way things play out yeah. in the world um yeah we live in, in a bizarre world in a bizarre time i think um i'm sure every generation has felt this way mm-hmm. but i think we're at like a really important time in history because like like technology is not like a steady progression like this it's like for a long time you know we kind of like went up like this and then we discover electricity and it's like boom telephones boom car or cars telephones and then it's like keeps going up and then now we've got ai which is its own like oh you thought electricity was a big boom well ai is like boom and we're just at the beginning of it like um, like with electricity, it's like, okay, the world's going to be completely different in 20 years. Now it's like the world could be completely different like next week. Mm-hmm. And like we, it's just impossible to plot, um, like how things are going to play out. I saw a thing today. I was, um, and I, I've heard about this before, but they're trying to do away with paper money. Mm-hmm. Like, um, they're actually uh, the U.S. government, I believe, this week is starting the it's Fed something program, which is basically digital currency mm-hmm. controlled. And what they're going to do to pilot it is they will say, kind of like when you get a job now and you have to get direct deposit with them, they're going to do that with government employees. They're going to say you have to get paid under this form this system because they can't force the public to do it and then what they'll do is then they'll say okay if you need to get any money from the government if we pay a citizen any money then they'll say okay or get income tax returns 
you know, yeah, we'll give them to you, but they're on this. You need to sign up for one of these accounts. And that's how they will eventually, you know, it's just like they do now with, you know, I hate the, the tap that makes me feel like my card is very unsecure, that it can be read. And it's been able to be read for a while now, but it just, you know, I don't like that, but I can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. My bank sends that to me. You know, the systems use that. I mean, there's places you can't bring cash to now to go eat, you That's know, insane. so. The business I work for is going no cash, too. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Um, I forgot. Go ahead. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. It's just, um, like, that way they'll be able to control what you spend on what. This is already a thing in China, is they have a social... Mm. It's a social credit score. So basically, it's not like, you know, we have credit scores here, which are I don't really agree with that either. But, like, in China, your credit score can go up or down for you just saying some shit that you're not supposed to say, yeah, like, against could, the government. If you associate with people that have yeah. a lower credit score, can lower your credit score, they have checkpoints throughout the city to go to different sides of the city. And you have to use a pass. And that affects your scores. And if you have a certain score that's too low, they can prevent you from going to nicer parts of the city where your class of people is not wanted. Communism at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And like like Neef was saying, you can your score can drop by just being close to someone whose score is low, which is like they're trying to prevent you from interacting with someone who's a problem. But that means, like, you can't get on the subway. Because what if someone has this... So it separates well, the classes. What, yeah, what will yeah, happen is, is the person with the lower class isn't going to be able to get on the same subway as you getting on anyway. Or if they do, it's a different car, you know. Mm. And so you're, gonna, you're not going to want to give out a hand to somebody else in a lower class because it will affect you. Just like people getting arrested here for feeding the homeless. You can get arrested for that? In certain cities in this country, you can because you are not licensed because our government's got to regulate every goddamn thing. You're yeah. not licensed to be distributing food. Well, I guess they could regulate my ass. That's not <laughs> ever going to stop me from feeding the homeless. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, and I mean, that's, it's also why um, a fast food, any food place, when you get done at night, you're not supposed to go give free food out because they can still file suit on you if they get sick from it. And people be like, well, no, but who would do that? But you'd be amazed. There's some people out there that, oh, yeah. you know, they're like, please help me. I'm starving. And then they're going to turn around and scam you and be like, oh, it made me sick. I'm going to sue you, you know. But, mm. you know, but most places you just don't hand it to somebody. You know, I've worked places and we would take everything and set it out next to the dumpster in bags where you to know where they would see it obviously it's not thrown out but it's thrown out and it's like i mean if they picked it up off the dumpster or the ground that ain't us you know yeah yeah i was watching um you know bill burr comedian i fucking love bill burr did you see that i might have sent it to you but i probably have because i've seen almost everything he's done he this was a recent thing he um he was going off about like psychos run the world and, um, like, he's like, the reason we got 
a fucking pile of trash in the ocean the size of Texas is because psychos run shit. And then you have nice people like um, Dr. King and that get loud and they get killed. And he's like, the only way, and I, I love, I fucking love Bill Burr because like, you, you're not going to hear anyone on Bill's, Bill Burr's level say this, mm-hmm. but he's like, the only way we fix this is we, the nice people have to kill the psychos. And um, nice people are nice. They don't want to kill people. <laughs> But it's like that's that's why we're in the situation that we're in is because nice people are not willing to pick up arms and fight the fucking lunatics that actually run shit. Have to be like the old days to where people were still nice, but they would not hesitate to take you yeah, out. Absolutely. Something that nobody I, will, agreed with. I will nicely handle business. I saw a T-shirt at the airport that was like, I am 1,776% sure that you will not take my guns. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking great. Whatever. But, uh, and, um, it, it's, but yeah, like, we're, we're getting to that point, like, we had the Boston Tea Party because no, no taxation without representation. And we're really overdue. Like, we thought British rule was bad. It's actually worse now. It's actually more, because of technology, it is more, uh, controlled yeah, than it was even, then. Even in England, I would argue that they might actually be better off if they still just had a monarchy running it. Yeah. You know, yeah. because they would probably be able to get away with more. Yeah. Things have turned out to be where, you know, we used to all be like, look, okay, we know the government's there, but we ain't really cool with them. It's kind of like the principle. Yeah. You know, we're going to be cool around them, but the minute, you know, Class lets out, we smoke it in the locker room. You know, it's all good. Now, they've got every, you know, the majority of the country or the mainstream of the country, they want to smoke, but they're more interested in getting you in trouble for it mm-hmm. than they are with getting away with it. Mm-hmm. To the extent of some people will go and get themselves in trouble for it just to get you and everybody in trouble for it. There's... You know? certain areas of the United States where police won't go. Like, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying exclusively my neighborhood's like this, but um, I hear shit popping off outside my... I don't live in a great area. Uh, I hear shit popping off almost every single night. And then police response time is like 45 minutes later, you'll hear a siren. And I'm like, I sleep like a baby knowing that... Like, cause I, I personally feel like everywhere in America should be like that where it's like, I, um, this is something that Neef and I have kind of, he's kind of changed my opinion on it, but like, I feel really shitty if like I go to like Walmart or what's a better example? Uh, okay. Like you order There's food. no better example than going to a store and feeling shitty than, than Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> What, what I mean to say is, like, uh, so, uh, let's, let's say, like, um, McDonald's, or just as an example. Mm-hmm. It's, like, I feel really bad, like, if I have to, like, be a Karen, you know, where it's, like, um, actually, you messed up my order. It's, like, I don't want to do that to someone, because, like, I, I work a job, I work with people, mm-hmm. and it's, like, 
that feels bad when someone's like being a dick to you. Mm-hmm. But like, here's the thing, right? Is like Tight. they they can go work somewhere else. It's like this company that their job is to be between this company and the customer. They're the buffer. Mm-hmm. They're what stands in between there. And it's like that way the company doesn't have to deal with the shit. They just hire someone to deal with the shit for them to get yelled at. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, still you should be nice, you know, treat everyone with respect. But it's like, I feel the same way about police now, where it's like, I don't respect the government and you can go get another fucking job. You don't have to be a cop. And it's like, not not all cops, right? Mm-hmm. But like... Uh, Ain't no holding back now. Let it out. There's... It, like, I don't respect the laws of our country. I don't... Why can't it, I smoke it, weed? It, it turns into... You cannot respect any police officer because they uphold laws that you cannot respect. Yeah, yeah. And the only way you can respect a police officer is if they act completely constitutionally, where they, as I say, they're not here, you know, they say they're not here to protect and serve. It's been deemed by the Supreme Court. You know, it's not a thing. You know, the wellness checks, all this other BS that they're quote-unquote for, I don't, I don't need that. What I need them to do is to catch bullets for me. Because that, I'm sorry, is what you are here to do. You know, you are issued a vest and a firearm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And now they're making it in some states where you can't defend yourself even if someone comes in your own home. It's like if you shoot someone that trespasses in your house, you can go to jail for that. Where's the Where's the cutoff to where you can defend yourself? Um, I, in some states, I don't know. Like it just doesn't exist. In California, it's got real bad. Yeah, like you, know, you will go to jail, and there's a possibility that the dude you shot who stole your shit doesn't get a charge. You know, or if he fun. does, he gets let out. You know, it's fun, but. That is politics in the judicial system. Yeah. I think... Um, That's why I live in Tennessee. Yeah. It's way better than a lot of places, for sure. Um, I feel a lot safer with... Um, like, on my street, a lot of people open carry. It's like sidearms. I'm like, I feel so safe around this. Because if... There's, a, there's an anecdote of a guy in Texas. You ever heard of the Darwin Awards? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy who made it on the Darwin Awards because he tried to rob a gun store in Texas. He went into the gun store that was next to the jewelry. It was like a jewelry and pawn and right next to a gun store. Oh, was it next to a gun store? And there was the... And I can understand why it threw him off because most of those stores, and you see them around here where they'll have gun shop, you know, pawn shop, liquor store, whatever, but they've got bars on every window. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to decipher... And I've seen, it might not be the same one, but I saw footage of it. A dude, he walks in, and he brings his gun up, and you see the hesitation that he realizes this ain't the jewelry store, but he's already committed. The dude behind the counter yeah, this is two the same patrons thing. of the store all drew down on dude and dropped him. Yeah, because he walked in and was like, "Everybody put uh, whoa, <laughs> put your hands." Up. He didn't even get the get it out of his mouth, <laughs> like. Just, 
like place. three different types of an- ammunition yeah. in this motherfucker before yeah, he hits one, the ground. Yeah, only one of the people that shot him even worked there. The other two that shot him were customers, and they were already carrying. Well, I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> yeah. You picked the wrong day, that dude. Was my time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that makes that makes me feel way safer. Like, um, it's kind of like an easy thing. To, I don't know why it's so hard for some people to understand this, but cognitive dissonance. Yeah. yeah. But like, um, in in the UK, in Japan, in a lot of places that have been de-armed, it disarmed. It's like crime rate has gone up. There's less people being killed with guns. Don't but there's more else. people being killed like a in more brutal ways. Getting hacked up yeah. in the street. And I'm like, I, honestly, I'd rather you just shoot me in the face. So it's like... <laughs> if I'm going to have to go out getting murdered and live a, a couple of bullets in the head, it's way play, better than dude running screaming with a machete at me. Yep. So it's like, in in the UK, if you know, you're know you a wa- young woman walking down the street, what is... like? what is stopping two thugs from just doing whatever they want, right? At least in America, they'll think twice about it because you don't know what she's carrying in her bag. She might pull out she might pull out a fucking magnum and just blow a hole through you, or she might pull out a pea shooter and it's like you're going to survive that, but you'll wish you didn't because now you have like fucking shrapnel all up inside yeah. you. She might paralyze you for life with two rounds yeah. out of a twenty two as she runs off and you're Yep. Yeah. Feeling goes away. <laughs> for the cops to show. Yeah, it's like. So uh, I mean, in South Nashville, I mean, I watched, and I had people telling me, "Oh my God, they're gonna they're gonna pass the constitutional carry law, and it's gonna go, it's gonna be the fucking wild west." All I said, "No, it ain't." And sure enough, South Nashville, I hardly hear a gunshot anymore, at all. I hear shit popping off, but you know what? I don't feel in danger at all. I live in East Nashville. I don't, I don't feel in danger at all because I'm aware that what's going off is is beef. That has and, nothing and to do with sometimes. And sometimes when you're hearing, a lot of times you're hearing it. Nobody, they just, they just shoot, shoot it no, in the air. Nobody is shooting at somebody really. Yeah. Somebody walked out. Check out my new gun. Blah blah. You know, or it could be some young dude. I mean, hell, I remember when we were teenagers. My buddy at his house. Not, I mean, in the suburbs, right? You know, and he's like, my dad got a gun, you know, and we weren't that, like, freaked out about guns. We had new guns, but we are probably getting pretty effed up, and he was like, what if I fire a round out of the window? And I'm like, you're not going to do it, man. And, you know, it's a nine millimeter in the middle of the neighborhood, and he... That I won't. It was so loud. It was so much louder than we thought it would be. And his mom comes up the stairs, and she's like, "What the hell was that?" We're like, "What?" Oh, you oh, were that, in the house? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. He sticks it out the window oh, upstairs shit. and just pops around off toward the lake. You That's... know, he was we're smart enough to go, okay, you know. Oh man, That's straight out of But it was so loud. <laughs> It, you know, we're thinking, that would be pretty loud. It was so fucking loud. She came up, and as naive as she always played things, and as much as we got away with it, I'll never forget. She was like, what was that? 
and goes, I, oh, I must have been a truck backfiring on the road. And she was like, that was that sounded like a gun. Yeah, maybe somebody shot. That sounded like it was right out back. And we were like, oh, it wasn't that loud. We were like dying. Oh, shit. She finally left the room, and we just lost it. We were like, oh, my God. Man, what the hell did you do? The good old day? days when parents were naive. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been in Nashville? I moved... Um, this past November, early November. Okay, it was like six, seven months, something mm-hmm. like that. So you live in Nashville now? Yeah, officially. Cool. I'm in Antioch. Oh, where? Antioch. Y'all aren't far. Yeah, but I don't live in Antioch. <laughs> I don't live in pa- para- Paragon Mills. Paragon Mills. Well, Which is a subdivision in Antioch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't tell him that. No, it's right on the edge of Lower Antioch. <laughs> Away from the peasants. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know there was a Lower Antioch, did you? I think LA. I did, actually. Yeah, it's LA. It was yeah, LA. exactly. That's what it's called, LA. I'm right on the right beside the Brentwood line, though, so it's quiet. You're an anti-wood. Anti-wood, yeah. <laughs> Brentiac. Somebody call it that. Yep. It's quiet. It reminds me of home. I love it. There's um, uh, Neef, Neef's working on a map right now. We uh he's he's divided it. We have um, there's music shitty. <laughs> well, it's music city, that, that but there's, there, there's a there's a meme page called music shitty. Exactly, we, we like to throw that in there. But because I refuse to let New Nashville murder my beloved music city, I'm moving her to South Nashville. Amen, brother. <laughs> so you got N U New Nashville, and, and then well, what happens is is Chestnut Avenue. All right, that's pretty much the line going south when you return into Music City now. When you cross the river over here, you're still a new Nashville until you hit Fifth Street, and that is where Least Nashville begins. Least side. Least side. <laughs> least side. <laughs> that's funny. So you know, I mean, um, I I went through a lot of trauma with all these changes. And watching Music City just get stabbed and stabbed and beaten and, and just, you know. Not like it used to be. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm picking her up, moving her. This is what's happening, y'all. I didn't really want to do this, but it I have to. Sorry. Yeah. Now, it's, I mean, change is inevitable, but it's never easy. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't fear change. Yeah. I just don't like it. Right. <laughs> I, I feel that. Yeah. There, it's, um... It's changed a lot, even in the time that I've been here. Like, when did you move here? Um, I've been in Nashville. Twenty twenty. Mm. Um, Interesting. Is that right? That sounds right. <laughs> I. Um, yeah, because yeah. you had just moved here before when we started up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Actually, actually, we I had three episodes of the podcast in Winchester, Tennessee, and then I moved up here, uh, like episode four. So yeah, it was right when we started. So about three years ago. It's a good thing you weren't a musician moving up here that year. Yeah, I started. Okay, so we started the podcast. I've been here since '79. Is that all? <laughs> we started the podcast, and then COVID happened. It was like, damn, everything shut down. Thank mm-hmm. God uh, for Zoom. Yeah, we yeah. we used Zoom a lot in the early days. Um, I grew up in Fayetteville, Tennessee. It's nice. right above Huntsville, Alabama, like right above the line. Mm-hmm. And then um, I grew up there, 
Uh, I moved out when I was 18. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Really? And I was also homeschooled. So I was very, very sheltered. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. I just rain insanity on him daily. (laughs) Break him out of that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I moved to, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18 and moved to Columbia with a friend of mine. I was there for like six years and then in Columbia and then I moved to Winchester for one year and then I moved to West Nashville and was there for three years. And then recently, I, I was in Spring Hill for about four months. I got a friend that lives over there. Yeah, I, I was staying with some friends because my housing situation uh, was fucked up. Basically, I had two days to get out of where I was, just pick up everything. And I left a lot of it. Mm. Um, fuck my landlord. <laughs> and then uh, I, I, I was staying with a friend like, for like four months, and then I moved back up here in March. East mm. side. Least, least side, excuse me. <laughs> Let me say it correctly. Ain't you, ain't you close to the Cobra? Yeah. Yeah, I live like two or three minutes from the, the Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. The Cobra. The Cobra. I played there this past Tuesday. Hell yeah. Yeah, Cobra's a good spot. I had my birthday party there in April. The Cobra Cabana. I invited like 40 people to the Cobra and didn't think about it beyond that. So there's the whole bunch of people that showed up. And then... Um, it was like it, an early crowd because... It wasn't that late, and that's a place on certain nights. It's a, it's a late crowd kind yeah. of place. And, yeah, it was like you brought the early crowd. Everybody's going, like, what the hell is going on? And mm-hmm. then more people started showing later. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It was fun. I, I, I only got to talk to everyone for, like, a second because yeah. there's so many people there. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like introducing people to people, like uh, like making connections for other people. Yeah. It's fun. It's awesome. We have um, a big, despite what I just said about New Nashville and Lee's side, a big part of what like we're trying to do is like unify everybody. Like, um, it's beautiful. Despite what I just said, but like basically bring back Music City. Yeah, bring her back. Like, it, it gets really clicky here. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. if you've been here long enough to notice that, but like you have like the Broadway musicians, like the cover bands. Yeah, and understandably so, but they're kind of looked down on by, like, the East Side hipsters. The the underground scene can tend to be a little bit more pretentious than even the expected-to-be-pretentious professional scene. Hmm. Because the professional scene is... There's a certain thing here. It's like, you know, everybody... Not everybody. A, a, a very artistic, a very artist-driven songwriter views almost every other musician the exact same way. They, they're not in their mind as thinking, oh, there's a dude that just learned to play guitar and he loves to play guitar, but he's not that worried about writing stuff and he can play great, he can play covers great, and he knows he can make his money. Which, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, hell, if I could do that, I'd go do that, but... Personally, my convictions as a composer, I don't have the patience anymore. I've forgotten more songs than I've learned. You know what I'm saying? And for me to want to sit down and learn a bunch of covers, it's not satisfying to me on an artistic level. Mm -hmm. And that's where I put that first in that realm, where some people put 
the work first, you know. That's a hard line to find. I'm, I'm an electrical engineer. I love to research and develop devices, but I will absolutely, and that's what I do for work. I go and I do electrical engineering, I do repair work, I do design work for a lot of money because I know I can make a lot of money doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's not the whole reason I went into it, but that was a heavy part of the reason. Yeah. Playing music, making money was never the reason for it, you know. When I first picked up a guitar and put my clarinet down, it was to get chicks. Of course. Because uh, that's what you're supposed to do. Because <laughs> I saw the other long-haired dude at school with his acoustic and like three chicks hanging around him at lunch. And I was like... This next one's called Wonderwall. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that was before Wonderwall. Yeah. I'm looking at my skateboard going, I mean, it's cool hanging out with all you dudes over here with the skateboard, but there's no girls it's over here. It's kind of a so. sausage fest over yeah, here. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sausage fest. <laughs> Homeboy's got like eight chicks hanging on the table. He can't even sit on the table. And he's over there playing some freaking poison cover. <laughs> Heck yeah. Fucking Brett Michaels. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you realize this is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to be a hair rocker. I'm going to be a psycho Billy freak out blues man. <laughs> I used to play it on Guitar Hero. Psycho Billy freak out. Oh, yeah. Reverend Horton Heath. Reverend Horton. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, like you got like the cover bands and they, they do really well for themselves, like make money compared to like the underground artists. Yeah. Like that, that's, you know, the, the struggling artist. It's like, it's a thing, man. Like making your art and your voice is like, it's hard to, not a lot of people are <clears throat> able to. And it's no one's fault. Like, this is how it is. Yeah. But it, it, the attitude bleeds over to the fan base because what you end up having is, you know, the, the difference is, is if, you know, I'm, I'm putting a record together and I'm going to have to put a band together, all right? When I do that, it's going to be an expensive show because I have to pay my band. Mm. By expensive show, I don't mean crazy expensive because this is going to be a show that I'm asking other bands in the scene and other people that I know in the scene to come to. I don't feel right asking them to pay a lot of money. They also don't want to pay a lot of money, but they're not going to feel right about not, quote unquote, supporting the scene. Yeah. All right? If I take my electric slide guitar and a pocket amplifier and go stand in Printer's Alley, on a certain night, I can probably make three times as much money as I would at the East Room playing for all my friends. Yeah. And the m biggest challenge I would have is being able to play covers for drunk dudes walking up that are throwing 20 and 50s in my bucket and be like, hey man, play such and such. And my problem with that is, is I don't play such and such. I play what I play, mm -hmm. you know? So I have to have a gimmick. I have to be playing slide because not a lot of people in town play slide like me. Yeah. Um, I know that's right. Um, we, and, but you go down Printer's Alley, you got 100 people playing Wagon Wheel. <laughs> you know, I, I the dude, and it wasn't bad, but dude was doing um, That's All Right Mama. The other day, as I walked through there I, after lunch, and I thought to myself, oh, I think I was on the phone with you. And I was like, wow, he's doing a pretty decent version of that. I said, shit, I used to walk through here with my ukulele and play it just for the shit. Same song. I got a buddy that busks a lot over there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I know a girl that would go set up a microphone in her bass and 
They'd ask her to play Stevie Nicks all fucking night, and she'd make five, six hundred bucks. Mm. Yeah. On the street. Fortunately, um, I can play guitar for other artists while working on my own crap or my own art. Yeah. And I am super thankful for that because I can just do music twenty four seven. Yep, you're you're a motherfucker. Like you got you can play your shit, and I could very easily see you doing. Like, um, one of the things you can I learn it, to, anything I got asked you about was because I notice with, and I call them gunslingers, I refer yeah. to us as gunslingers because mm-hmm. you have a lot of good guitar players and good musicians, um, and you have people that can play lead, but there's a lot of people that can play other people's leads, they don't, you know, they can't improve, they're not just gonna, right? Um, and that is a, I consider myself in that vein, but I'm a jazz musician, so cool. I don't say that I'm past that, it's just I'm in a different head frame now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but one thing that I could tell, because I see some of your shorts are basically like you're giving tips on playing, you know, which I really, I really admire, that's a really what I'm all about, is Thank giving you, back and teaching, yes. you know. Um, but I notice one of the things about you, and it's similar with other players that I know in bands, that you are a guitar playing guitar player. Yeah. You know, you are about guitar. I am to an extent, but I also compose with so much else, play a lot of bass, you know, keys. My first instrument was clarinet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can appreciate that, and I know that head frame. Yeah, you know, and that's something I really, you know, picked up because I've talked to Alex about a lot about this. I appreciate his enthusiasm with a lot of players. Like, oh, dude, smokes, yada yada, you know. But musician to musician, and when you have players looking at each other, especially in this town. It's something I try to get across, and I meet several guys that aren't, you know, that are on the level and aren't really hung up in this, where it is an ego battle. Oh, yeah. You know, I call it egos and elbows. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to elbow each other out the way for their ego to shine. And I talk about that, you know, there's a certain level as an instrumentalist that you hit when better and best isn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what you do. Yeah. You know, and because as an artist, when you begin to, if you're doing nothing but learning someone else's stuff, it begins to turn into a chore. And if you're a practicing artist, and that's what I'm talking about when I see you play, I can tell you're the kind of guy that every single day you're picking your guitar up. Yes, sir. You know. Alex mentioned to me one day when he came over to come by my house, and I'm sitting there with a YouTube video on with a Now You Shred, mm-hmm. you know, or other backing tracks, you know, um, just for 10 minutes at a time. You know, these tracks go on forever. Nobody's going to listen to you do that on stage, but, and I'm just ripping, mm-hmm. ripping, 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 ripping. All That's over true. Every time I see you, you're playing something. And... He even said it. He was like, "I don't know. I don't know that I know anybody that just drills like this." For yeah. one thing, you don't go to other guitar players' houses. That's like a good point. All the time, <laughs> so you don't necessarily see it. But I understand what you mean because there are a lot of players that we know. They're great players. Well, it's easy if you're a drummer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, every drummer I know, it is. 
you know, just do, when they're doing anything, they're just fucking yeah. playing something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but I mean, like, yeah, like you can tell with both of you that you, you practice, you drill. Yeah. Dedicated. I was telling him earlier that like, there's not a lot of dudes that our gunslingers can play like you do. And like, I, I was telling him like at the time that I talked to you, like you're a really nice dude. You don't seem like you got to stick up your ass. You know what I mean? And that's like that's the nice balance of like you can fucking shred, but you're not like I don't have an ego about it. Right. Yeah. Because you have that's, to have a little bit of discipline about you. Yeah. yeah. Not and, like, and that's that's, that's the real pros yeah. are the ones that are not going to get in a pissing match with other people. It's pointless. Yeah. Well, it doesn't do anything, anything for you. Yeah. You make yeah. a real good point. All it does is make enemies. Yeah. That yeah. it is about the discipline because when you are disciplined as a practicing musician um it's much like martial arts yes martial artists can kick the shit out of most anybody but they're the least likely to do it yep. yeah because yeah. they've trained their discipline to know that this isn't about learning how to kick everybody's ass this is learning how to not have to yeah whereas you know same way with music music as a discipline it's not i'm not learning this to be able to whoop everybody's ass when i go play I'm learning this so that way, like like I'll talk about with jazz, it's a happening. So that when I'm on stage or I'm in a performance and I'm playing for people and I'm giving them something, I don't ruin it because I don't want to do that. That's mm -hmm. the number one thing. It doesn't matter how great I am or how great anything else is. It's not just for me. Restraint is the greatest musical right. skill. Mm. Yeah. I well mean, said. I, like, that's that's why when I'm by myself I'm going ape shit, mm -hmm. because literally that's practice. Right. You go, I mean, you just go nuts, and you're like, my God, what are you doing? And everybody's like, oh, it's so crazy, and you're like, you didn't hear the twenty minutes earlier when I was just, uh, uh, you yeah. know. But like I talk about with science, you got to shove shit to the extreme and then dial it back to really know, you know what you can deal with. You gotta you gotta fall down you gotta go down the hill on a skateboard and get the speed wobbles and get road rash real bad before you're ever gonna be able to shoot the fucking hill and look like you can carve it right. like a motherfucker. I've you done know. that. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone way too fucking fast and then fucking bailed out the, the speed wobbles. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh and, god. Yeah it's you're bringing back old Vietnam flashbacks for me. It's like <laughs> hit, getting the speed wobbles then you hit a tiny tiny pebble this big. And it's, and it's over. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's actually it's really cool that you don't live too far. We might have to uh, get together and jam. Let's do it, man. That would be so awesome for you guys to get together and jam. I, I want to come over and see that happen. I'm always up for for jamming with new people. <clears throat> um. Fuck. I was gonna say something. 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 Coming back to you. Mm. I had something. It'll it'll come back to me. Uh, do you have any pets? <laughs> pets? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a cat that lives uh -huh. back home. Her name's Jada. She's like fourteen. She's old as dirt. Wow. She don't act like it though. Well, I mean, course. fourteen. That's up there for a cat. I mean, I've known some that have lived. To, you know up there. Right. She's always been an indoor cat, so she's, you know, well taken care of. Really? Who's your favorite superhero? <sighs> I was never, like, a superhero person. I guess 
cliche, I'll go with Superman. Hmm. Bad choice. <laughs> the Goblin. No. We, we the Goblin? The Green Goblin. No. Oh. I'm down with that. Yeah, I like that better than Superman. I fucking hate Superman. That's the only reason I say that. Really? You know, yeah. I, I'm somewhat of a Green Goblin myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of seeing a hoverboard back there, man. Yeah. One of them rooms. Willem Dafoe over here. <laughs> um, no, my, my gripe with Superman is that he's, like, too perfect. It's like, um, you ever see Watchmen? Uh, I don't think so. It's, um, it was a movie from, like, There's 2008. A I need to catch up on. It, it's an older one, but, um, my, my problem with Superman is, like, he doesn't have any weakness. They had to give him kryptonite later on, like, because originally he just was a fucking god, and he's un, untouchable, so they had to create, like, a weakness for him, but, like... Not only is he perfect, but he's also just, like, a perfect person. Like, he doesn't have any, like, moral flaws or anything. It's just, like, um, like as a writer, it's just a really lazy character. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, sorry to shit on your favorite superhero, but, like... Honestly, I haven't put much thought into it. Yeah. Like well, I said, my I've buddy Bobby always person. said, you know, if kryptonite is his big thing, why doesn't... He said, I never understood why Lex Luthor just didn't get a double barrel <laughs> with... Kryptonite shredder shells and the shit, and point blank his ass because you just lodged fucking kryptonite into Superman. He's done. He's done. Yeah. Good point. It's gonna blow his fucking back out because it's kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. He's just in fucking pieces. He's not gonna heal from that. Tony Montana. Tony Montana. Well. Say hello to my little friend. Interesting, uh... Take a whole army to take me. Interesting point of... Interesting little note about that movie. Y'all familiar with it, right? The ending scene? He gets shot and he falls into the... That's what I am. Yeah, that's actually a death. What? That stuntman died when that happened. What? a death occur. Really? No way! From drowning? Somehow when he hit... Something... And then they're panning on him, and he's laying there flat. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's crazy. I think he had already passed out, but I think it's somehow when he struck the water. I don't know. Um, Lawnmower Man. Did you ever see that? Mm Mm-mm. Heard that one? That was a Stephen King book about Job, who was. Huh. It was all about virtual reality, and that that was one of the first movies that had a V quote unquote VR machine, but it was a one of those big gyroscope machines that you get on and you're 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 strapped into it mm-hmm. and you can basically spin around like you're floating and it can put you in any direction when was this movie oh 90s early 90s i want to say and they had this machine built and one of the stuntmen on it they were laying on it getting ready and it jolted and it like whipped and it snapped his neck Shit. Yep, just like that. And they were like, oh, what happened? Oh, and they said like his name. And they were like, you know, Billy, Billy. Oh, God. Ah, you know, I'll run over there. What do you do when you're not playing guitar all the time? Man, yeah. listening to records. Um, sleeping. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> nothing. Much always playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, I, I respect that answer. Just fucking dedicated to your craft, I've man. I've always had a hard time with that answer. Like, what do you do besides guitar? I'm like, well, I mean, I, I like, I guess, shooting. I like, you know, 
We should go to the range sometime. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I like watching boxing. No. Oh hell yeah! Do you do you do you like MMA too or just boxing? Uh, mostly just boxing. Yeah. And also like some racing, but like F one, particularly like old stuff because I'm, they don't I'm do like, it like they used to. I'm a fan yeah. of Formula One myself because that's an engineering thing. And in, in particularly, I'm a big Ayrton Senna fan. He's the best of them all. Formula One? Yeah. No, the, the I didn't hear what you said. Ayrton Senna? All right. I, I like boxing, too, but to me, it's like, um, and as a boxing fan, you'll probably understand this, but, like, boxing is so much more brutal than MMA. It's like, yeah. And, because, like, MMA is fast. Mm-hmm. It's done. Like, couple rounds, and then, like, someone's, someone's, it, it's over. I mean, I've seen tons of fights that go till the time, but they have to cut it off. Because like, boxing bare yeah, ha- like boxing or even usually just doesn't get called as often as an MMA fight where the ref is like, all right, you're done. Yeah, boxing just boxing, goes. Yeah, they can get the crap beat out. Of it's like a street fight. Yeah, I I love watching boxing, but it's like it's like a trial like a train wreck where I'm like, fuck, because like boxing those boxing depends. It it's was. so much long term damage, like because you're going for like what eight rounds sometimes. It depends. You got yeah. eight, ten, twelve. Twelve rounds? Yeah, twelve round heavyweight. Oh, like yeah. championship fight is twelve rounds. Actually even in MMA is five rounds for champion for uh title matches. Yeah. You know, instead of three. And boxing, I knew I knew MMA is three and, or at boxing, least the UFC is yeah. three and five. Heavyweight boxing, I think they even do fifteen rounders or they used to do fifteen rounders. Jeez, man. Gives you a whole new respect for them. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's uh, cardio, man. Well, that and yeah. well, also you have the difference, the extreme difference in weight class with boxing, where when you watch featherweight and lightweight and welterweight and stuff like that, they're jabbing the crap at each other and it's fast, mm-hmm. bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. When you watch a heavyweight fight, it might end up being the most boring fight you've ever seen in your life because they'll come out and they'll they'll win themselves throwing haymakers in the beginning and next thing you know they're hugging for 10 rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and even like when you're at a high level, it's right. like you're chess boxing. It's very yeah. strategy. That is the reason why Tyson, when he came out, was such an anomaly because <laughs> was it wasn't bad. just that he would knock motherfuckers out before the goddamn first round. It was that he came out of the fucking corner like a pit bull that just got let off his chain. Mm-hmm. There was no, I'm going to dance around, we're going to do a show, this for the people. No, it was, I'm going to come and eat your fucking children. Yeah. <laughs> and scream praise Allah and yeah. talk some crazy shit and tell you some wacky shit in a press conference like, I'm going to fuck you till you love me. <laughs> Tyson's praise, a monster. Praise be the God. Yeah. Um, and it's like kind of the opposite of like someone like Ali who is just so fucking technical and yes. like and um, like flawless movement yes. like footwork ironically Ali was Mike Tyson's idol he's yeah. probably the only boxer that he really actually looked up in that's so game. funny because they have such a different game they yeah. play you see interviews anytime Tyson's talking about him he's yeah. either like tearing up or he's just Okay, yeah. him, you know. Mad respect. Almost any other boxer. I mean, there's a couple of other old heads that he'll bring up in philosophy, but he don't give a fuck about any other boxer because he mm-hmm. crush them all. Yeah. There's an interview. I want to say it was Arsenio Hall had them on back when I was a kid. Yep. And he's got Ali, Sugar Ray, and 
Um, Tyson. Was she around then? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's right. And Ali, you know, he was very, I mean, he was still cognitive, but he didn't. He had a stroke and shit, so he didn't talk very well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you look at Mike, and it's one of the first times you see him in an interview, especially back in a time when he was young and he was hot. Where he's just like humbled and like happy, like, oh my God, you know, this fucking, you know. And, and Ali even says, he's like, he, he pantomimes and says, you know, because I think Arsenio's asking him, you know, what would, how, how do you feel about seeing Ty, Tyson box today? You know, how do you think he'd fare? And Ali even said, he was like, if he hit me, I'd be out, you know. And Tyson's just like, oh, and you, he's actually humbled by it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no, you were the greatest. You were the greatest. And he's like, no, no, he hit me out. Like, he recognized that Tyson was that fucking badass. Ollie even was just like, no, this dude is fucking insane. And that's at, at the highest <clears throat> level of skill. That's how tradesmen really act with each other, mm-hmm. is just like bowing to each other. Yep. Um, I know I'm great, but... In this situation, every head must bow, every knee, or no, whatever, whatever the line was. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, every time must confess, that's the greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, such such a brutal force of will, but also humble in, when he's before his idols and his gods. It's like, mm-hmm. that's... You know, I feel sorry for Tyson, man, that... That guy can't go anywhere in public. What People do you mean? Just will not leave him alone. Really? Yes. You like in a like a picking on way, or like just like oh my god. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, well, it, it, well, it's the thing on the airplane. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that that was bad. What happened? Yeah, you know, that was that's been a while. Dude kept messing with him, like, and his buddy was, you know, him and his buddy was like, "Who do it's Tyson," and he and he went over and started fucking with him. He turned around and, and he turned smacked around the piss out of him. <laughs> beat the piss out of dude on the plane and they couldn't do anything about it because he touched him. He like reached up and was, I don't know if he smacked him or did some silly shit. And Tyson's like, dude, fuck off. You know, he's like, what, what the fuck is, you know, and dude, I don't know if he was drunk. You see him, you know, like at the beginning of the video looking at his buddy and he's like, oh, dude. and then like a little bit, you see after the clip of him, you see Tyson turn around just a little bit later, because you don't get full video, it, like turned off, and a little bit later, you see dude sitting there, like waiting for the plane to land, and he's just swallowed up and silent, just yeah. like I don't know why I just did that. It's like watching a video of a guy, a drunk guy poking a bear. Yeah, like what are you doing? Yeah, Stop! Yeah. Stop! It's not that bear's fault if he just rips you in half right now. You know, jeez. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Who's your favorite poets? Oh, that's a good question. I um, actually really don't like. Uh, I'm so, favorite. I'm so, I, you know, I just talked about how humble you are. I'm very pretentious. I uh, <laughs> I I don't like traditional poetry. I think it's so like bland. Like yeah, like bland and like what are you saying? <clears throat> I just read this, but I don't what, fucking what, and like like people that are really into poetry. They'll be like, oh no, like he's trying to explain this thing and thing. His art, emotions. Whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> like, so like a, a lot of my, um, I can show you some later, but like a lot of what I do is like, um, I don't rap, but it has like, when you read it, you can hear the flow. It has a flow. He writes yeah. gangster rap like me. 
<laughs> Except it's like written, you know, it's mm-hmm. not spoken. So um, yeah, I'm saying I don't rap, but I'll write gangster rap. So like a lot of poets will write out of like sorrow. A lot of my shit is really aggro and aggressive. It's like me exercising demons. It's like gangster me... rap. Yeah, yeah. It, it's gangster rap in poetry, and it's come up to your job, hit you while you work, and for certain. <laughs> and to me, like, um, like, I, the fact that it's not audible, like it's not, it's not music, um, and this is not to like, not to look down on music at all, but I think it has. Uh, like being in Nashville and not being a musician, um, and certain people still know my name, gives me a certain degree of pride because it's yeah. like this is Music City. Absolutely. And it's like I'm an artist in Nashville that doesn't make music, and it's Damn like right, it's Music City. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't really like a lot of poetry. So my favorite poet, I do like Poe. Poe's good. Oh yeah. Um, I like H.P. Lovecraft. Um, people don't really treat him like a poet, but he is. Um, Metallica's songs about like Cthulhu and all that stuff. Yeah, the old gods. The thing that should not be is probably one of my favorite tracks of yours. Um, man, who else? Um, <laughs> Immortal. <laughs> it's one of their heaviest. Too. Yes. There's that one you and Bob really like. The one you were trying to get us to do on the book club. That guy is good. Oh, What's Henry it? Miller? Henry Miller's good. Uh, the he, stuff of well, him. I guess he was a poet, but he was really more of an author. Oh, another. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just. I, I don't like traditional poetry, so the ones I'm going to name are not people you think of as poets. But yeah. Hunter S. Thompson, I think, is. Okay. What he writes is fucking beautiful. You said you don't. don't or I know the name. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson, like uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that movie. Um, that's based on him. He's he was a journalist, but the way he writes shit is just really interesting. He wrote for a lot for the Rolling Stone, and mm. he wrote a lot of heavy political commentary in some of those books, like Fear and Loathing. A lot of people don't realize that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is just one of many things he did. Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail. You know, I mean, he's done Hmm. books where he's writing about when he would go on these journal, these journalist assignments. Hmm. And some of them were pretty heavy duty where he would be rubbing elbows with some high up people. So he got privy to some crazy information and he would write this shit out in those books. Hmm. And nobody knew if he was fucking being truthful or not, but there was no, there's no reason he wasn't, you know, he would be lying, you know. And um, he's a wild, wild dude. You know, he's not necessarily. Um, Sounds cool. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like one of those cool. You know, it's gonzo journalism. It's like it is what it is. But a lot of people who know of him and know of his work and like his work would probably not have gotten along with him, or maybe not like yeah. him as a oh, person. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was not fun to hang not, out with, or yeah. not necessarily even agreed with him politically. Why not? Um, because he was like an extremist. He was a gun nut. His wishes, his burial wishes, was um, his remains or ashes to be loaded in a cannon and shot, and that's what they did. Did they really? Yeah. 
Oh, that's right. Who who paid for that to get built? And he, I think his estate did. Okay. Because he had it in his will. He wanted to be cremated and his ashes be loaded in this fucking can. I think all his property are in a certain spot, and they did it. They fired it off. Okay. Yeah. I, um, like, like I was, like, the stuff I make is, like, really to the point. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not any, um. No guesses about there's it. There's no, yeah. There's not, it's not vague. Like, it's very explicit what I what I said in a very direct, deliberate way. Yeah. Do you have anything like published as far as that yeah. goes? I'll, um, I post everything I write on Instagram. Um, oh, like I got my podcast page and I have my personal page. I'll send you a link to it. Yeah. Um, I'm also working on a book that I, um, basically it's a fantasy novel. I really love, I read a lot. We do a book club on the podcast too. Once a month we read a different book. But um, I really love high fantasy. Like, um, um, I'm not such a big fan of the show, but like the Game of Thrones books, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, I really love those. The author of those is, uh, I'm a really big fan of his. Um, cool. But I'm working on this, this novel right now, and as I write it, I post it. So like, everyone can like kind of follow me with, how, like as I'm writing this book, like mm-hmm. as it goes. Don't forget that screenplay you're writing for me too. Oh yeah, I'm working on a screenplay for Neef. Uh, that's he's um, he's doing more video work now. Um, for my my short, short, short films. Yeah, it's gonna be like a five minute film that I'm writing a script for. Nice. Um, if you need music for that, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I love making like jingles. That's what I wanted to do before I even started playing. Was make like soundtracks for movies and jingles for commercials that's money man yeah dude yeah it's literally after it's kind of funny i'm putting this record out and virtually retiring from putting records out of my own like that because it's you know it's whatever to me and i can if i want to write something and do it i can just write a record myself yeah Um, because most of my catalog that i have of not my stuff of just stuff i worked on is all that it's Music, television, jingle, um, you know, soundscape, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, love it. And that's what I'm getting into now is getting synced up. And so I can just get up every day and hash out a couple of numbers and sell them to AstraZeneca. uh, Yeah, for real. You know. I've dabbled with that, and I definitely want to get more into that as well because it's just, it's so lucrative, it's insane. We'll definitely have to sit down and have a chat sometime. Um. So I have one more question for you. We got. This is something I ask everyone, um, so don't feel put on the spot. Uh, what do you think? Or not? What do you think happens after we already asked you that? Uh, when was the last time you cried? Last time I cried. I was five years old. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the way you answered that was actually great. Yeah. The doctor pulled me out, and I slapped him, and he cried. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm still looking for him. No, um, I don't know. Maybe yesterday, I guess. It it's usually like with a song, like I don't expect it to hit me a certain way, and it does. I'm like, I'm cutting onions over here, man. You know. Yeah. yeah. You you don't remember what song it was? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's random. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to rule the world is one of those songs that does it for me. Which, that is a good track. 
Yes. Um, there's actually a story behind that. Um, I don't know if we have time. Yeah, time. yeah. Go we? ahead. Well, just I'll keep it brief. So um, there was this chick I knew, and I uh, liked her a lot. And long story short, we tragically parted ways. And been there. Um, driving back home from her service, something turned me to turn the radio on. Cause I was, I needed to clear my head really bad at that particular time. From her service. Yeah. You know. So tragically parted ways. Yeah. Oh. Mhm. So I turned the radio on, and the only song in the whole world that could have brought any kind of peace had just started playing. And it was everybody wants to throw the world. Nice. So, you know, if I go a while without hearing it, and then I'll hear it like on my playlist or whatever and like it doesn't always hit me that hard as it did the first right. time but right. I still get chills yeah my condolences man Thank um you. yeah that's that's rough and that's that's what I was talking about earlier when my focus was shifted from just strictly to guitar playing to strictly songwriting yeah and also yeah. singing i mean yeah that's that's kind of thing that will definitely um spark spark something mm-hmm. um Good times, good times. Well, that's a great promo for um, escapism. Uh, escapism. Yeah. Alice, uh, check out Sydney Mays. There is a link below. Um, definitely check out Escapism. And then you're playing July 1st in Perry County. Buffalo River Resort. And then August 18th. At the uh, the Mule Day. Mule House. Uh, Mule yeah, Day. That's where it's at, Mule House, yep. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Say yeah.